Welcome to the Venture 12 podcast, conversations to engage and inspire missional people. Welcome back, everybody, to the Venture 12 Podcast Season 2. Great encouragement. There we go. Wow. Uh, It's probably an overload for you listeners there to hear so many voices, but we're actually four of us in the room today. Um, Myself, Chris. We've also got... Hannah. Mark. And Emma. Uh, And all of these voices you'll have heard before, leading or uh, some of the podcasts or the interviews, Um, but we're all in the same room today. Um, and we're here to talk a little bit about team and how we are working uh, with our team here in Helsingborg um, with APEST, which we'll come on to later. Uh, but before we come on to that, uh, we've got an exciting few months ahead of us, haven't we, Mark? We have, yeah. Uh, Why? Well, you've really put me under the <laughs> spotlights there. Uh, I suppose I've got that role to big up the next few months and I will embrace that. <laughs> So we've got we've got some great people coming onto the show. First of all, we've got Brad Jerzak, who is going to talk about a more Christ-like uh, God, and that's a book he's written. Uh, he's written lots of books. Uh, we've got Nathan Baker, who's going to come on. He's written a book called The Pulse of Christ, which talks about APES, but really goes into the tools and practices that you can use to grow the fivefold in your settings. Chris Halliday is going to be, he's one of our friends and part of our network, he's going to be interviewing Kathy Boldock, who is a, a leading expert on LGBT issues and uh, especially when it comes to interpretation and research into the translation of the NIV and some of the words that were quite controversial and interesting to dig deeper into. And then... I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so, so, well, well, that'll take us through to the end of the year, anyway, won't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Let's sing. Yeah, but potentially, anyway. We usually put out about one a month, don't we? Three months left of the year. No, we're doing two a month now. Two a month. Okay, so that'll take us through to November. Right, we need some new guests. <laughs> uh, if you want to be on the podcast, do contact us. I've also emailed Rob Bell about half a year ago. He's never replied. Uh, so, Rob, if you're listening... Very disappointed. He's not yeah. checking his emails. No. I don't no. think. Well, this is fine. That's worrying. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, anyway, new segment, haven't we? We've got a new segment called Find That Listener. Yeah, we've been really surprised. Uh, when you do podcasts, what's great about it is that you can you can uh, get research on where people are listening from. Yeah. And, uh, we're quite re- surprised, pleasantly surprised, I'd say, to see that we've got listeners all over the globe. Yeah, we have. Mm. Uh, so, Chris, where where are people listening from? We've got oh, some quite interesting we've ones. We've got yeah, we've got we've got loads of places, and we're we're going to try and find uh, at least one person from those places that are listening. I mean, literally, like you say, all over the world. I think all continents actually, which is cool. Um, but we're going to play a game called Find That Listener, which is. Uh, if you are from that country and you're listening to this, get in contact with us, tell us who you are and we'll shout you out on the next podcast. Going to start a little bit easier. We're not going to go to one of the uh, countries with very few listeners. We'll start with a Dutch listener. About 5% of our audience are from Holland. 5%? 5%. So if you Good are Holland. Dutch and you're listening, get in contact with us, tell us who you are, what you're doing, what your context is. 
But we've got listeners from from funny places. <laughs> funny places? I shouldn't say that. No, no, let's not name any <laughs> of those funny places then. <laughs> Before we get cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. could be the end of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's move into our theme for today. Um, and uh, someone else can talk, I think. But we're going to be talking about Apest. Um, and that's based on uh, the Ephesians 4 text. Uh, about the giftings. Um, Hannah, could you just give us an overview of what that is and maybe some of the definitions that we're going to be using in this podcast? Yeah, so the Apis giftings, uh, some of you might be familiar with the word, but it stands for the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher and the shepherd. And that is gifts that Jesus has given to the church to equip the body and everyone in the body to bring his kingdom forth in this world. Um, so we're going to focus on that today and mainly through team. Mm. So how that has played out for us here, that's our only experience. <laughs> but we think that can apply to many people as well, if you want to explore this in teams. Because mm. that's the way it's supposed to be done, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's a great definition. Yeah, yeah we've all got different uh, giftings which we've been uh, exploring for the last few years. So we've all got different kinds of uh, makeups of all of these giftings you can do tests online mm. um the 5q.org website uh, offers different types of tests that you can take and we've taken advantage of that as we've been exploring the 5q book by alan hirsch mm. um we've done them all haven't we all the we've, different we've tests. done them all <laughs> and we've done them several yes, times <laughs> it's been so, very helpful yeah yeah. Well, let's uh, let's start there. Let's dig a bit into that. I mean, uh, like you say, it's the and the, the, these giftings—they're the marks of Christ, aren't they? They're, he is the yeah. perfect of all of these—the perfect apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And uh, in Ephesians four, he sends them to us, as Hannah said, to equip the body. Um, mm. And we're not Jesus, so we're not perfect in all of them. So we have got stronger ones and slightly weaker ones. Um, mm. So before we go any further, I mean, we're, we're a team. We have restarted a church here in Helsingborg in Sweden, um, and uh, we've done that through kind of leading into each other and equipping and working with one another. Um, so let's give a snapshot of who we are through the Apest lenses. Mm. Um, so, uh, Mark, what, what are your strongest? What are, you, what are your strongest? What are your weakest? Well, uh, I'm, uh, my strongest is ap- apostolic. Second would be evangelistic and teacher probably interchanges with his up and down, but I mm. think that's... And what does that mean? I mean, for you to be apostolic, what, uh, how does that manifest? Apostolic, uh, well, that's we get the word, That's where we get the word missionary from. Uh, so mm, uh, new things, new frontiers, mm. cross-cultural, uh, enjoy risk, enjoy change, um, New possibilities. Love it to love to wake dreams up in people. Mm. Mm. Catalyst, yeah. equipper, pioneer, entrepreneur. Wow. You're good at those words. Well, <laughs> exciting words. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let them go. I thought Sorry, I switched off. I thought you were just reading a dictionary then. Yeah. Well, uh, that's me, folks. Uh, I, I always hesitate because I think calling. You know, I don't want you know calling anyone an apostle. We know in our Christian world is quite a heavy, heavy label. So yeah. we, yeah, don't we don't go around do doing that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's no, not labelling you as say. an apostle, is it? It's no. your strongest gifting is the apostolic. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I'm not following that. So Emma, 
Um, well, my strongest gifting is in the prophetic, and the second strongest is the apostolic, which means I'm bothered about social justice issues. I want to change the world, and I often do that through initiating new things. So that's mm. using the kind of prophetic gifting and channeling it through my my second gifting of the apostolic. So lots of new projects and initiatives. Um, dreaming big, being angry about stuff that's going wrong in society and, uh, yeah, trying to do something for the marginalised people mm. in our communities. Mm. So prophetic can also be about this society, not just about holiness. Yeah, so it's about holiness for sure. It's about the covenant that we have with with God and being right with him, um, but also about being right with, with people in our communities. So it's uh, vertical as, very, as well as horizontal. Um, yeah, which is important to remember because some of us are perhaps stronger in the horizontal aspect and, and some of us are stronger in the in the vertical. But we need both in order to mm. see the sort of full capacity, um, competence, um, PQ, as it were, um, mm. in in our mix. Uh, yeah, in our churches and in, in our communities when we're expressing the prophetic gifting. Mm. Mm. Great. Mm. Hannah? Yeah, so I think the last test I did, as we said, we've done quite a lot of tests. Uh, I was, I'm strongest in the shepherding gifts, second is evangelist, and then apostle. That They've kind of, yeah, changed a little bit around. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm a shepherd. I, I understand the world through the shepherd's eyes. I want people to flourish, to find healing and, and purpose and belonging. Uh, I think the evangelist gifting makes me drawn to the margins as well, as Emma said, or like wanting people that's not already having that to experience that. So I think there is slightly a tension in me of, you know, like providing and protecting and, mm. yeah, finding the balance there. Yeah. But, yeah. Great, Chris. Yeah, and I am strongest in the teaching gifting, um, with the secondary as the shepherding, which is probably something I uh, rejected for a while, uh, the shepherding thing, just there was something with it that I, I wasn't kind of completely embracing, but but now I actually love it. <laughs> um, so the, the role of a teacher would be to bring wisdom and cultivate a love for scripture, um, and to maybe also kind of move away from this picture of a teacher as kind of like... Uh, the old guy professor who stands with a, a whiteboard and making notes and stuff in front of a room of people and kind of shifting it more into the mentoring world, the coaching world. Uh, and combining that with my shepherding, uh, it often means that I end up in um, groups. Alpha. Alpha yeah. group, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do often end up there. Um, How but, many times have you done Alpha, oh, Chris? I, I honestly can... I could not tell you. And I said in a in a meeting that we had a few weeks ago, right, I'm not going to do an alpha anymore. Anyway, me and Mark are starting one next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're quite so, happy about it. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, so anyway, I'm addicted to alpha, guys. <laughs> um, and uh, migration processes that yeah. you keep walking people through. Yeah. And also, I mean, it explains a lot. I've ended up, uh, I mean, I love football. Um, mm. Been a football coach, been um, working in mentoring organisations. I've always been drawn to emergency services, which is very much a shepherding profession and uh, mm. kind, kind of makes sense now through the lenses of understanding APEST and yeah. myself. Why, why did you struggle with the S? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think also it was a bit of a, we've, a bit of a shift in seeing, understanding what it is. So I think um, 
for example, a, a common picture might be the old ladies after church who serve the coffee and go and ask if you're all right. Um, mm. And having that as a picture of a shepherd. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, there might be something in me about being a male shepherd, just kind of like rejecting that almost, being thinking, no, I, I can't be this loving, kind, protective person. But but then kind of shifting it and seeing it through. Just actually, stop. I think you are. Exactly. Chris is loving, a real kind loving person. Person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just described himself. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and what I was going to go on You're to say is... Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, I'm rejecting it. No, I'm embracing it now. I really am. Um, I mean, Jesus is the perfect shepherd and uh, seeing the elements of him that aren't just kind of like that... Uh, I was about to say lovey-dovey, which is quite an English <laughs> expression, but kind of like the very... I mean, it is, it is gentle. I am gentle, but it's also protector and guardian and people who walk with people uh, for, for long periods of life. And, and that's something that I love and embrace now. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's a journey I've been on. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, something interesting about all of those profiles that we've just discussed is that we're all strongest in different areas. And that's yeah. not something we knew when we became a team, but something that we believe now is really kind of like... A gift. A gift mm. from God. Um, and maybe even part of his plan that we came together. Um, mm. And the one that's missing is actually evangelist. We do have uh, another person as part of our employed staff team who is an evangelist, but also collectively us four together uh, with the scores that you can have from these tests. Our strongest as a four is also evangelist. Mm. Um, so again, that's something that just really kind of hit home for us when we saw that and understood mm. um the thing about the eva- does someone want to give a brief overview of the evangelist as well, so we're not neglecting any voices. Yeah, yeah the communicator, storyteller. Um, what else? Good news. Good news. Yeah. In the Caring month. for the lost or wanting the lost to be brought into God's presence. Mm. Mm. Maybe outside the church, often yeah. salespeople. Yeah. Mm. Recruiter. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that that none we we do sometimes sense that we miss the you know the that stone cold evangelist uh, but we have we all have it quite high so there's quite an evangelistic yeah. verve and yeah. culture that comes natural to us yeah. in our community and yeah. we do work with a fantastic evangelist yeah we do, we do. yeah she's amazing well let's get into that i mean we're a team um, and that is partly working together but it's more than that it's kind of like building church and doing life together um mm. in how we see church and what our mission is um how how do we operate uh, as a team like with these giftings now that we've understood them a bit better how how do we equip one another where do we see fruit in one another where are maybe some of the challenges with one another maybe a difficult question <laughs> when we're all sitting in the room um, <laughs> yeah, but um, we can do that but yeah I mean what what have we seen someone give us a story I mean I think when we first found out it was a bit of those I mean you don't have many of them in your life when you're just like wow this is amazing and we just saw this opportunity to really experience this and it's like uh, fullness not fullness but you know like the full thing yeah um and I think it's just a vital piece of knowledge that we have about each other that changes a lot what does it change yeah yeah, I think we've reorganised ourselves slowly in some ways, mm. um, in a way where we can lean into our strengths more, because mm. I think we all had different experiences from different walks of life where we've perhaps felt that we've been forced into places, into roles, into using giftings that we're not that strong mm. in. Like mm. for me, it was 
really clear that I had put expectations on myself um, as well as, you know, being in environments where other people had expectations of me to be a great shepherd, Mm. for example. Like it's assumed I'm married to a minister. Uh, I've been part of leading um, another... A church plant and amongst very vulnerable people people are expecting you to be really good at pastoral conversations which I'm actually not um I get I get fidgety after some time and it's not that I don't care about people it's just that that's not the way that I care about people mm-hmm. um and just having um the experience of going through um my giftings and understanding each other's giftings gave me such a relief to be able to lean into other people's gifts and send send the people who perhaps need those um, longer conversations mm. um, to somebody else in the team who's actually equipped and mm. gets fulfilled by uh, having them as yeah. opposed to draining myself and feeling really shattered when I come home on a Sunday because I've done things that perhaps I was never meant to do a lot of, mm. even if we all want to, of course, be uh, developing all of our APES gifts yeah. to some extent. Mm. Uh, right. But yeah, that was certainly my experience that I'd le- been leaning into the wrong gifts for, for mm. some time yeah. in different environments. Yeah. And to be able to encourage each other then in those decisions, like I'm going to lean more into these things mm. and for us to be able to like, yeah, that is a wise choice or... Mm. We can see this in you. I think that was a major thing, wasn't it? That if when you do it in a team, you get the opportunity to have other people speaking into your life and say, yeah, I I agree with this or, or the, the test you did is correct. Like I see mm. these things in you. Mm. I think for me, that was a, a beautiful thing to yeah. hear all of you. Mm. Like, just tell me those things, what yeah. you saw in me. Mm. Yeah, we went on retreat, didn't we, quite yeah. early on? We had a day. Yeah, and we spent time affirming the things that we saw in one another. Yeah, I remember uh, crying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not I mean, a rare occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a big thing. It was a big it is a big thing. And uh, <laughs> but I just echo what Hannah's saying, I think that creates an environment where you can permission give people to to be because like you it's very difficult to come into a place and say this is who I am therefore I'm not going to do these things Uh, I mean we all know those kind of people are not you know great to be around (laughs) not helpful so uh it was that was great just to have that space and environment where we can permission give one another Mm. and that's almost like the burden being lifted off from us all to think I don't need to be everything for everyone yeah I think that's a big big thing like yeah. it's okay if I'm not the best at this I can ask someone else for advice it's a humility in that as well yeah yeah um yeah Mark I'd be interested to hear about a little bit about your experience as well because you are in Salvation Army terminology uh, a Salvation Army officer you are the appointed head leader of this church um, and I mean, part of this APES journey has been kind of like flattening that leadership model from a senior leader to a team. I mean, what's what's been your experience of that, and where have you found uh, your role within the apostolic gifting within that? Oof, it's a big one. I'll try and not to spend too much time talking about it, but um, just quickly, I think like we planted the church in Manchester, and as it grew, increasingly, I ended up having to do more teaching and and the shepherding burden became quite heavy in a really broken community chaotic community beautiful community as well um and I wasn't burning out but I was being disenchanted with 
my my sense of calling and my role were becoming worlds apart uh, as a missionary at heart uh, apostolic you know longings um, were not being fulfilled and that scratch wasn't being scratched mm-hmm. um, and I struggled to see or find the language to understand what was going on till I read Forgotten Ways by Alan Hirsch which mm-hmm. was a book that I sometimes say like made me sit up and you know underlined so many things and yeah. it helped me think that there's a there's a there's possible there's another way of doing things and that I'm not strange um that these yeah. the pain that I was experiencing wasn't abnormal yeah. but it was actually natural and it was a god-given thing yeah. so when we came to Sweden my prayer was that I'd be able to do ministry in team and not kind of be funneled into the solo hero model in I mean Salvation Army we are so good with hierarchy um so it breeds it wherever you go um, and my prayer was to fight against that and to be able to do it with team. Mm. So, I mean, to do something like this, a podcast like this in teams, just so beautiful. Mm. Uh, but that journey was really out of um, a hope and a prayer. And then when, when we came to Helsingborg, it was it was just natural. I wanted to explore what, what ministry, what church could look like uh, with the fivefold, which uh, had been something that I'd started to learn when I was in Manchester, but couldn't really apply it. Because mm. um, once you're on the train, it's hard to kind of change the, the direction. Mm. But we had a blank canvas when we planted mm. um, this expression of the church here. Mm. So that was part of the, the, the main part of the journey. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's been really life-giving. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's fair to say that, I mean, even though Marcus, the officer, and you will have felt it in, in a particular way, I think we all kind of experienced the tension between the inherited model of church mm. as it's expressed in the Salvation Army, with all the roles and the job descriptions, we're all currently employed um, by the Salvation Army and doing things the apest way. Like mm. there's always this tension that you've got to kind of, you've got to live with it mm. because that is the reality that we're working in. Mm. Uh, but in what way do we live with it? And yeah. I think that's the kind of questions that we're wanting to ask all the time. And I mean, we, we do end up having those conversations with HR, like, how, how are we allowed to do things? What can we get away with sometimes? And how can we, how can we you know, live out um, a, a Jesus-modelled um, leadership together as a team whilst operating in, in the structures yeah. that we are you know, formally within? And yeah. that is tricky at times. Yeah. I don't know if, what, if you guys have any yeah. reflections on that. I think sometimes, I mean, we do really carry the joy and the burden of, leading this church together I think sometimes I can notice like only Mark can sign a paper it's like that's that's just a throwback to a different model like all right so I've done all of this but you need to sign this now because you are the leader and we just know that that's not what we no one is above anyone here we really um we know that we would suffer massively if one disappeared from Mm. you know the team Mm. um yeah but we have to operate in two, two worlds at the moment. Yeah. I think like just even having these conversations, you can hear that we've come to a place where we're quite aware of our, our uh, limits um, and the pains. And, and that's mm. something that's a really helpful conversation to have in team. Mm. So it's out of that place that you can begin to serve one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, it becomes... If I would think of myself as the only assigned leader to a church... It would, I would laugh now almost because I'm like, oh, there's so much I would not do. Like, <laughs> I would miss so much. Yeah. I'm just so painfully aware of my need of other people. Yeah. 
And I think mm. that's the place we need to be brought yeah. to. Like, it's not just me, me, me. Yeah. I think that's my biggest learning curve as well from uh, working in team in this way. Um, missing things <laughs> and I think it's something that maybe we hadn't wouldn't have noticed before historically but just now we can be sitting in a meeting and one of us could be somewhere else or sick or home with a kid or whatever it could be and uh, we could just arrive at a point and just think oh, we're missing that person's voice here and not just because of the wisdom of that person but also because of their gifting I remember once me and uh, Mark were preparing a teaching series for the church for a, a period of time. And it was about, um, I, th- I think it was about prayer. I can't remember exactly what it was about. And we just realised, hang on a minute, we've not got a prophet, a <laughs> person who's strongest in the prophetic in this conversation. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. So we said, we need to put this conversation on ice now uh, and bring it back when we've got the, the prophetic lens, that strong voice coming through. And, I mean, it's, it's those kind of things, being able to operate and think what could be missing here um, and, and I mean, that's probably how the church historically has been operating for for centuries, just missing things because not it, it's not been welcoming all the voices into the conversation. Mm. Mm. And because we equip one another as well, we are able to say, OK, let's all of us lean into, lean into the teaching intelligence and look at this problem or this mm. opportunity from that lens. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not that we are tied to one person, but because we have been equipped by one another, mm. we can kind of lean into it and think what would that person think maybe first but then we also learn the gifting and the way of Jesus in that yeah I think it might be worth just reflecting a little bit on decision making as well because that's Mm. something that I think we get questions about from other people who are perhaps working in more traditional settings where you've got a board and you've got a one pastor employed or whatever Mm. um, or you have another kind of traditional um, model but we When we make decisions, we try to do exactly what you have all just described, that we try and lean into the different uh, gifts and try and bring the different perspectives in, Mm. in order that we might make a missional decision, Mm. whatever the decision is about, that we don't have one person making a decision, even if it's within that person's sort of role or area of influence. Like, I work in anti-trafficking, but I don't make all of my decisions to do, but with my work on my own, it's got to be a... A mutual thing because we're, we're going somewhere together mm. as a missional community and we need all of, all of those different voices because we're all impacting each other's worlds and ultimately we've got the same goal in mind mm. mm-hmm. there are yeah, any examples absolutely. any stories of where we've uh, equipped one another or invited the other perspectives I remember, and this is actually before we even started the APES journey, but um, when me and Hannah were contemplating moving to Helsingborg, we came down to visit you guys for a day. I think we came twice. And then we uh, took the plunge and we said, right, we're coming. We're coming in January. And uh, I remember you guys had a conversation with us on Skype at the time. This is before the Zoom days, (laughs) the, the pandemic Zoom days. This was on the old school Skype. And I remember you said something to us and you said, we're going to do it different. We're going to make decisions together. We're going to uh, kind of try and uh, yeah pray together and just see where the vision takes us and move in that direction altogether. And it was radical for me to hear that because I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> I couldn't quite understand what you were saying. And I don't think I fully understood it for a couple of years, um, that posture of leading as team. Uh, and this was before the APEST. So so that putting the APEST lenses on that... Um, 
humility within leadership and flattened leadership mm. has uh, really matured us, I think, in our decisions, making mm. processes and as a team, mm. as friends, mm. as church leaders. Mm. Mm. Just to fill it in there is that I'd struggled with the burden of being the bearer of the vision and hope. Mark was just trying to do less. <laughs> so, so, uh, he needed to go swimming. It was more oh, yeah. of a, please, can we lead together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but it is a burden to carry a, a yeah. vision and a dream on your own and having to kind of tell the rest yeah. about that and get them on board. I think that's the... That's my picture of leadership for ages. Like the leader's got something in their heads, and they just need yeah. everyone else to get oh. the idea. Jesus would never tell anyone else. No, exactly. <laughs> it's the just same spirit, but he yeah. will be quiet when he speaks to you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we hijacked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really sensitive point. I was just half a sentence in, and then ridiculed. Recognizing what you said. Yeah, I'm gonna leave now. (laughs) (laughs) The apostle's gone. Um, Typical. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what about um, other stories? Because I think that's the the things where we've equipped one another, or we've brought other people in. Yeah, I think with your work, uh, you know, you work in in the Emma Mm. uh, in the human trafficking work and, and and the work that you do how you and Maria are just an incredible mini team yeah yeah I mean she does everything that I don't want to do that's that's one of the advantages of having team obviously we're a small team but she's an evangelist shepherd um Mm. so what tends to happen is that I initiate a new project and then hand it over to her to look after all the vulnerable people that we meet and she does that so well like We've got a, a project reaching out to the um, Thai community at the moment, um, people who are at risk of or being exploited in sexual exploitation within Thai massage. And, you know, I initiated that project, but she's in contact with between 80 and 90 women. Mm. And it's just like, I don't understand her capacity to even remember these people's names. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so difficult to be in contact with so many people. But she's kind of got that, She's somehow got the gifting that's mm. able to embrace all of these mm. people and keep tabs on everybody yeah. uh, and bringing them in and creating community, creating a home and looking after them. Mm. So that would be the the shepherding, you know, um, caring for the flock mm. or whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so you, you do need each other. And that's the I mean, that's the kind of transitioning phase that we are in now as a as a broader body, I think, where we have got. We, we have got some kind of established community and we have people to look after. Mm. Um, so whereas perhaps me and Mark were leading the initial phases the, with the apostolic and the prophetic lens more to see where we needed to be going, uh, we're in a period now of trying to transition over to Hannah and Chris and Maria more because we've got more of a community. And, you know, what what are the next steps that's... That's also part of our journey of understanding when are the different giftings exactly. needing to lead the others mm. more. Yeah. We always need all of the giftings, mm. but you do need to lean into some of them more at different points in time rather than having a static structure. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Let's, um, let's uh, keep shifting it forward. And you just brought us into kind of like the, the church community. And um, in Hannah's definition at the beginning, she said that they're the marks of Christ that are there to equip the church. Mm. So moving on from kind of us as a team and into the church and the, the community where we find ourselves. Um, I mean, how does that how does that look? Is it any different to a traditional model of church? Like what, what why are we why are we doing this? Where's the fruit? 
I definitely think there is a lot of fruit coming from seeing, looking at the church from all the five viewpoints that we, we are not uh, over, um, you know, l just loving one of the expressions mm. like we're a teaching church or whatever. Mm. Like we, we really try, and we're not always strong in all of them, but that's our main longing to express the fullness of the body of Christ. Mm. Uh, so I, I hope and I think that you can see that in our church. Um, in different ways um, and it's about equipping as well I think if we have experienced how it is to be equipped and how it is to be seen by others mm. we want everyone to experience that in our church mm. yeah. um, and, yes. and this sorry Emma this APEST conversation is we're really talking that it's a central part of how we see discipleship mm. yeah. so when we're equipping others mm. it's, we don't just introduce them to Jesus we, we we think about their dreams their callings mm. their identities yeah. so like you do something what's called the calling lab yeah um, and and then when when we've met to apprentice some other leaders we've often mm. talk about apest and mm. helping them see that yeah see the church in those pictures but also to see themselves in, yeah. in those pictures yeah, yeah. And it sets people free as it has set us free yeah. we see it happening over and over again mm. That, wow, is that really me? Is that how Jesus wants to use me in this place? Mm. That's life-changing. Yeah. It's beautiful. People cherish one another because of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. I think we've spoken about that before. That's because so many of the people that have you know, joined our community haven't had the kind of experiences that we've had no. in churches before. So some of them have also not got the the kind of burden or the old model in the back of their no. heads. Mm. So they go into their relationship with Jesus and their experience of a, a Christian community with open eyes and mm. open minds and open hearts. Mm. And to be able to equip those people is special in a way as well because you can see how how different yeah. that story is for those people who, yeah. who can be free from the beginning, yeah. uh, from, from some of those shackles that the, the old models and paradigms... Um, that have kind of been part of our mm. understanding of church and understanding of ministry and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, um, just reflecting on what you were saying, Mark, in, uh, about your experience in Manchester where you kind of became, it's like you, you became more and more the leader the more you grew. So the more people there were, the more kind of stuff you had to take on and yeah. like completely dependent on one person. But through equipping it's not just kind of equipping so we get a big church that's just always growing and it stays dependent mm. on the four of us or whatever i mean mm. it's about releasing that the people into their mm. uh, giftings as well uh, one tool that we use is um dave ferguson we've had him on the podcast and he talks about a, a tool called i see in you where you can just simply say to someone when you do this i see in you mm. something special and we've had occasions within our church where we've spoken to people and said look when you do this when you speak like this to someone I see the shepherding nature of Christ within you uh, and and for that person they, they are then equipped and then they think okay now I am going to need to do this because mm. I need to represent the shepherding side of Jesus in this church to these people and take care of people and welcome them in and yeah. and releasing people into their giftings rather than into set roles and duties that we've decided mm. Yeah, because I think it's such a different thing. Like in the Salvation Army tradition, it would be easy for us to kind of pick people out to do volunteering. Like there's always things to do in yeah. the church. There's not, there's not a lack of tasks to do. 
but what a different perspective to just look at people not in terms of what slots have to be filled or what chores need to be done and doing the traditional kind of program activities or whatever together with people but actually you know what does this person what is this person passionate about and where's that where is that coming from what gifting is it coming Mm. from and how can we place them in an environment where that passion can grow and they can understand themselves in the light of that gifting Mm. and that's just such a different um growth experience then for them I think and maturity as well in in their faith it's a deeper thing it's identity in the kind of core of who you are like God made me like this Mm. and therefore I serve in this way and it might look for some people it might look like the old way but it's not because you do it from a place of like I know I'm here to serve the kingdom Mm. of God Mm. and you you gave me a really nice example yesterday when we were just talking about somebody that we're training as a leader at the moment just of the kind of maturity that that she's going through at the moment in her in her giftings yeah, I mean, she, I, I think I explained Apis to her, I think it took me two minutes, and she just got it. She's like, I get this. This makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's just been flying with it since then. And she had a conversation with one of us, and she was just like, you know, teach me more. What books can I read? What can I do? Mm. And just so amazed, like, I need to have a notebook and just write all these things down. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, it comes from a deep place within her that she has seen, like, wow, they need me here. Yeah. Like, yeah. God needs me to do something. Oh, I think that's great. What I was thinking when you were talking is um, Brian Sanders mm. uh, from The Underground. In his one of the books, he says, uh, in order to release the priesthood, you've got to reject the priesthood yeah. we talk about the priesthood of all believers exactly. in order to sorry in order to release the priesthood of all believers you've got to reject the priesthood and yeah. I, I, when i read that i'm like wow that's such a almost controversial thing to say mm. um but in all my life in church you know we talked about releasing the priesthood mm. but i've always struggled to actually see it like yeah. really explode and i think there's something that apest helps to take mm. that journey of just mm. um yeah giving permission to for others to play their roles yeah. And to be able to talk about your own weaknesses as well. Mm. Like, I'm not good at this, but you are. Can yeah. you yeah. please do this yeah. instead? Not instead of me, but like, help me, teach yeah. me how to do this. Mm. As a leader, to be able to say that to someone that you're leading. Mm. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel strange to us now, but it might be radical yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Well, well, look, we, um, we'll we bring it to an end, I think. Uh, I hope it's been a significant journey for us. I hope that's come across in our conversations. Um, and uh, I mean, our journey started somewhere, didn't it? It started with a, a book club. Um, so how can we how can we encourage people to start the journey or at least start a conversation? What opportunities are there out there? There's lots of opportunities. Um, you can obviously go online and buy 5Q by Alan Hirsch. Where it can is you get that? now available in Swedish. Whoa! <laughs> that is good news because we've translated it as a as a team at church. So so that's there and that's Where can you key. get that? Um you can email us in Helsingborg or you can go on any of the a website retail re- mm. websites that are out there. Mm. Um what else can we do? Coaching opportunities. Yeah, we we if you uh, yeah if you go to venture twelve punct 
which dot. is dot in dot. English. <laughs> done the whole podcast in English, and then you throw in one Swedish word, that which is really derails everybody. Yeah. Venture twelve dot se. Yes. Yeah. If you go there, you'll find uh, a little bit more about us, and also uh, some coaching opportunities, which are introduction courses into mm. Apest. Because um, we know change doesn't happen just with new content. Mm. It's about habits, culture, and practice, mm. and and that's really where we've lent into. Which yeah. can be done as individual or as team. Yeah. I Absolutely. really recommend doing that. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, And of course, 5Q's website, 5QEssential.com. There's tons of other resources. Uh, yeah. And there's loads of other resources outside 5Q as well. Mm. 5Q isn't just the only place you can find stuff about APEST. Yeah. Mm. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, let's bring it to a close. Thank you, everybody. Um, reminder, if you are a Dutch listener, comment on this podcast on our <laughs> Facebook page. Yeah. And if you're a Swedish listener, get the book. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll be back with you uh, in a few weeks with our episode two of season two. Take care.